and welcome to the Stay at Homeschooling Moms podcast. I'm Ginny Sufert, and I'm here with my partner in crime, Mary Ellen Barrett. And today's topic, I think, is one that a lot of homeschooling moms are really going to relate to. Uh, we want to talk about how to take care of yourself. You know, we moms spend so much time taking care of others. Mary Ellen, how often do you get to take care of yourself? <laughs> Not as much as I should, but uh, better now that the kids are older. But when they were younger, I was just a hot mess. I was just a hot mess all the time. Because <laughs> I, I, and I don't mean that in like a manicure pedicure kind of way. I meant like eating peanut butter crusts, and that was it all day. <laughs> like I wasn't. I ate, you know, I ate the kids' leftovers all the time too. Yeah, it was just, I mean, it was just, just my own sandwich. Not not making doctors and dentist appointments, and not having time to, you know go to the bathroom. Like I go to the bathroom after they went to bed and realizing I haven't gone all day. Like I haven't, I haven't actually acknowledged my body's needs at all all day, you know, and that's just not healthy. We can't, you can't live like that for any length of time. It makes you, it's, it's just not healthy. So we, we need to take care of ourselves, moms. We, we need to take better care of ourselves. Homeschooling is a full-time job. And one of the things Mary Ellen and I have both discussed that amazes us you know, we were full-time homeschooling moms. I was for a long time. Then I went back to work. But I'm seeing an awful lot of moms who have fuller part-time jobs also homeschooling. I am amazed. Yeah. I They're heroes. I don't know how. I mean, I waited till my children were older. And there are moms with babies and toddlers who are who are also working either from home or outside the home, part-time, full-time, and pulling all of this off. And, you know, I, I am not worthy. I don't know how you do it. I don't know when yeah. they sleep when they eat, I just, God bless you all. I mean, this, this is hard. This is really hard. Um, and, and to add a job on top of that, oh, I don't know how they do it. Yeah. I can't imagine myself. So today let's talk about how to take care of yourself as a stay at home and a work outside the home and a keep your home <laughs> and all of those things. Mom. Yeah. Dad's um, this kind of qualifies for you if you're a house spouse, but we're going to ignore you today for the most part. Yeah, we're, we, yeah, and, and not because you aren't important, you are. It's just that we're coming at it from the mom perspective because we're moms. So listen and see maybe if you're a dad who's listening, how you can help, how you can help the lady in your life. <laughs> just tune in and listen and see how she'll you can be helpful. Anything. Yes, really. She'll, 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 anything you can do. Anything. You'll appreciate anything. If you fold the laundry, she's going to think you're her hero. Believe me. Right. I, I once saw a bumper sticker that said, no man was ever um, killed by his wife while doing dishes. Right. <laughs> right. It was, there was one years ago. It was a calendar. It was supposed to be like, you know, they had those like swimsuit issue calendars mm -hmm. for men. It was supposed to be one for women. And it had these very good looking models. But it would show him like this really good looking model, like holding a bag of trash. Honey, I'll take that out for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'd buy that. <laughs> I know, right? That's, That's what we find really That's very attractive. cute. <laughs> right. A man changing a diaper. That's a very that's, that's very a attractive. Very attractive. <laughs> my husband was a great guy. We had all those kids and he was great. He was a big help. First of all, the poor guy worked two jobs. So yeah. Let me say that up front. I mean, he really worked hard. But I kind of laugh about it because every so often he'd say to me, well, I can't change that diaper. That's a good thing we both don't feel that way. Yeah, I have to say when David was home and it wasn't often because he he too works two jobs, um, he would just whatever needed to be done. And sometimes he'd walk in the house and put down his his briefcase and say, all right, what what needs to happen next? 
And it was just so, thank you, thank you. Anything. You got up and picked up the baby so that I didn't have to do it. I really right. appreciated it. Anything. Dads, yeah, you can, you can look at the, the big role you play in keeping mom happy. But Mary Ellen, you would come up with, I think this was your idea, and I can't agree with you more. What is the most important thing that we have to do? You have to find time, even if it's a little time, to pray. I have always found when I neglect that part of my life, my prayer time, things just tend to fall apart quickly. And it can be just a few minutes of quiet. If you can get up before the kids do, that's ideal. But I I spent years where I couldn't, I could not physically get out of bed before they do. They can hear you. There's that in that radar that they can hear you open your eyes. So, and they're all awake. You can pray anywhere. You can pray while you're vacuuming. You can pray while you're nursing the baby. You can pray while you're cooking dinner. You can pray at any time. Just tune into God. You can do your Hail Marys or your rosary. You can listen on your app. You can, whatever it is that works in your life for now. And even if it, it's something like, I offer up this load of laundry for my family or something like that. If you are just kind of navigating toward God in your daily work, in your daily life, it makes a huge difference. It sounds like the least proactive thing you can do. And I promise you, it is the most proactive thing you can do to kind of settle yourself down and have peace in your daily life. I really, really believe that. And it has been completely my experience in these 20, almost 28 years of being a mother. So just find time to think about praying, to pray, even if it's not a sit down time. But if you can find the sit down time now, when, when your kids get older, when your last one is really sleeping through the night and you might be years away from that, but when that happens, if it's after they go to bed or before they wake up in the morning, find that sit down time. And if you're not at that point, then find the little times where you can, you know, just, just include it in your day. I had uh, some advice given to me years and years ago. I had a really great spiritual director and he was a big believer in having, you don't have to have your house looking like a church, but you could have a little statue to the blessed mother on your dresser. Uh, you, he used to say, carry a crucifix in your pocket. Hmm. Well, that's and, a really good uh, idea. Just have a holy water font next to your front door, a picture of the sacred hearts. Just, it doesn't have to be big, but some little reminder so that when you walk past the statue of the blessed mother, you uh, the easiest prayer, uh, Our Lady gave it to St. Catherine Labore in France. Oh, Mary conceived without sin. Pray for us who have recourse to thee. Mm -hmm. Just a yeah. real fasty. Uh, I remember when my dad died, Mary Kay Clark, the director of Seton Home Study School, called me up and she said, just say the Jesus prayer. Just keep saying the name of Jesus. Right. And, helped me through. and there are times when that's all I can say. <laughs> I, I, that's why I love it. People say, well, you should pray from the heart. Sometimes just having a glory be to the Father just... I can't pray from the heart right now. I just right. God God knows where you're at in life. Um so he knows what you're capable of and he knows where your heart is. So if if that's all you can eke out or if you can just say Jesus or if you can just quiet your mind for a moment and say God this is all I have at the moment. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know what I need, you know how I love you, you know how I love these children and this family. Just just give me strength for what I need to do next. Okay, that's a prayer. That's it. That's, That's it. That's all you need. Just acknowledging that God can give you what you need. Um, and he will. And he, he will. will. He absolutely will. And and the Blessed Mother is on your side. Um, 
any saint. I've called on just about everyone you can think of at one point or another. You know, just what whatever you can feel in your heart and whatever you can make time for. Because like I said, God knows where you're at and he will direct you. He will comfort you. He will be there for you. And I promise you, it just, it softens the edges of your day when you have a little bit of time there for prayer. And, and you will find that it builds a habit, you know, and habit is really good with prayer. Um, we've talked about um, structure and, and foundations of your day and rhythms of your day. And when you find yourself having a time for prayer or or attaching prayer to something, is say say you don't have time to sit down and pray um, in a very formal way, but you you say Hail Marys while you vacuum. You will find for the rest of your life you're saying Hail Marys while yeah. you vacuum, right? It well, just becomes a habit. We can't eat without saying grace. We've said exactly. grace. Exactly. Yeah. Right to the start. We've always said grace, and we can't eat without saying grace. So you're right. These are great habits. And you're right. Just some small little aspiration. It doesn't have to be much. And just no, it doesn't have to be much. Just something. When we, I, I think that's uh, Mother Teresa, of course, did this, and certainly uh, Saint Teresa of Lisieux, who was her inspiration for it. You do little things with a great love. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, right. She picked up the needle for for Jesus, for love of Jesus. That was Saint Teresa of Lisieux. Um, you can do all of these things for great love of God, for for the Blessed Mother, for your children. Any little thing you do. Just do it, do it with great love. And yeah, so so that that certainly is is the the first place we start. Uh, the second place, and I want to be careful how I say this. If you get a chance to read an article about homeschooling or about Catholic family life or about Catholic motherhood, or if you want to listen to a podcast, listen to us. <laughs> but you want to listen to a podcast of many others that you might enjoy. Homilies. I uh, get a lot of Bishop Barron's things. I find him really, really helpful with my spiritual life myself, but just anything that helps you with your day, a, a podcast about homeschooling or a podcast about great literature or anything, you have to, and you say, well, where am I going to get time for that? You're folding laundry. Right. You're the dishwasher. Yeah. Uh, um, any, any, beds. yeah. Instead of um, having the TV on in the background or something like that, just, you know, put in your little earbuds. I have, um, cheap earbuds. <laughs> I think, I think they came from Marshall's or something like I don't have the ear pods or, you know, my, my kids spend money on stuff like that. I do not because I figured they're going to end up in the laundry at some point. So I think mine were $20 and they connect to my phone fine and they sound fine. But I listen when I'm doing stuff like that, household tasks or in the car, you know, because I'm driving people all over the place. Right. And it doesn't even have to be something particularly Catholic, you know, something that just relaxes you, maybe. Um, if you, yeah, something funny or encouraging, you know, or sometimes I relax and you're going to think I'm a weirdo and you might be right, but I like to watch YouTube videos of people cleaning. <laughs> because, That's weird. Right. Yeah, it is, it's weird, but it, it, it makes me feel good because then I'll get up and clean something. I know. Uh, you've all heard how it's inspirational to me. Like I, you watch somebody clean their house and you think, oh, you know, I should get up and clean something. I don't know. It's strange. I get it. I'm the one who likes to organize closets to relax those too. So, you know, whatever makes you feel good, encourages you, inspires you. Um, I like to relax with a, with a good mystery novel. So if I can find a few minutes at the end of the day, usually after I get my dinner in the oven, kitchen's cleaned up, the table's set, I might have a few minutes. I'll sit with a magazine or a book or something like that and just, ah, you know, take a minute before the dinner chaos starts. You know? I would like to say 
to people about listening to homeschooling podcasts, not ours, of course, or <laughs> homeschool literature, is at or even spiritual literature, I think, and spiritual podcasts, at times they can make you feel very um, inadequate. Oh, yeah. Talking about going to daily mass every day and weekly confession and saying your rosary every day and saying your divine mercy chaplet every day and reading the Bible for 10 minutes a day. And, and you're thinking, oh, man, oh, man, I am the worst Catholic ever. I am the worst person. I'm going to rot in hell someday because I don't yes. do any of these things. So they can make you feel sort of inadequate. And I took tremendous, I love Mother Teresa because she's so simple. Mm. Mother Teresa, when they asked her, like, how did she get into doing what she was doing? She said, well, if you want to help the poor, find a poor person and help them. <laughs> right. well, you can't get simpler than that. <laughs> open up an orphanage. You don't have to open up a hospital. She did all those things eventually. But you find a poor person and help them. And so one of the things that I, I did is I kind of studied Mother Teresa. And her, one of her many ideas was what she called the big smile. Now, she was talking about like her sisters, if her sisters were picking maggots out of a leper or something, they had to do it with a smile. It's not enough to do it. You had to do it with a smile and tell them how happy you are to be there with them and everything. Now, I don't do anything that hard. I don't do anything close to that hard. But I really took that as part of my personal spirituality. I know that sounds crazy. The big smile. No, that's, so One of the that's, things I started doing, if I go to the grocery store and you're my cashier, I say, thank you, Mary Ellen. Have a really nice day. You would be surprised it puts a big smile on people's faces. Because they probably don't hear it that often. So that's and so they all sweet. Have names, they all have little name tags. That's Dwayne that begged my grand. Dwayne, thank you so much. Oh, this was a big help to me today. I really appreciate it. It's a tiny little thing. It doesn't cost anything. And it just becomes such a part of who you are. And you find the whole world is smiling at you. Mm. So it doesn't have to be saying, going to mass every day and only the Latin mass and saying rosaries. It could be something like the big smile. One of the things I started doing then um, a couple of Christmases ago, I went to this one Italian grocery store all the time. And, oh, it's in Chicago. And these poor people, they're out there collecting the carts and 20 below. You know, it was miserable. Mm. So for Christmas, I was bringing $5 bills. I just got a bunch of $5 bills. And I was giving them to people, to the guy that collects the cart. One guy, one guy the guy with the, with, the, with the mop, mopping the floor, I gave him $5. Merry Christmas. He hugged me. Oh, <laughs> so you know, I give it to the guy that waited on me in the deli. I give it to the cashier. Now I'm up to 10 bucks. Here's the thing. I never give out more than say a hundred bucks. I'll have like 10 tens on me or something. What have you blown a hundred bucks on such garbage in your life? Yeah. So it didn't cost me. I don't want to make it sound like I'm this wonderful person. I'm not. It was a hundred bucks. I've thrown a hundred bucks away on a meal or a ticket to go someplace. I mean, on yeah. something so stupid. And instead I took 10, $10 bills and gave them to people and smiled at them and wished them Merry Christmas. God oh. bless you and your family. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's amazing. But it's, it's like I say, when Mother Teresa starts inspiring you, it's just a silly, silly little thing. Doesn't cost me much. It's not a big, I'm not, you know, Danny K, uh, Danny uh, Thomas starting St. Jude's Children's <laughs> Hospital. I'm giving 10 bucks to the guy that collects the cards. And wishing a Merry Christmas. Yeah. So we can do all sorts of small little things. You see, you, you're sitting on the bus and there's a cute little kid next to you. I've asked moms, can, can I give him a couple of bucks for ice cream? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's not, it's not Italian. Italians like to give money to people. <laughs> silly, stupid little thing. But we can do all sorts of small things. 
small things. You heard that your neighbor's mother is sick and she's been going, send her a card. Yeah, sending a card. That's a sweet thing to do because nobody ever gets mail anymore that's pleasant, right? Yeah. You never get mail in the mail. Yeah. Send a short note. Dear Jane, I've heard, heard you've been having lots of problems and I'm so sorry to hear that. Please remember that I pray for you every day. That's all. Yes. Yeah. I'm so glad you mentioned that because it is, um, you have to be careful about the kinds of things you listen to and read and expose yourself to because it can make you feel very inadequate. Oh, yeah. You know, it can. And I've, I've, like Instagram, I enjoy Instagram because it's very pretty, but it can make you feel like, wow, look at what they have and I don't. Or look at how well she does or her kids or whatever. And I I don't. And, yeah. you know, I'm old enough now that I just don't buy into that anymore because. They say it's killing teens. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So I my my Instagram now is mostly like pretty Irish cottages and English <laughs> villages. Like things, for me, it's eye candy. It's just sure. pretty things to look at, I, you know. And, and I will waste 15 minutes once in a while here and there looking at pretty things. And that's really it. But. Yeah, it can be a source of um, competition or, and to me, that's like the devil in your ear. So if you are going to listen to a podcast or or read a book or something like that, make sure it's something that's not making you feel inadequate because you're not inadequate. You are a person who is in a house, in a home or an apartment or wherever you are with the family that God gave you and you are doing the best you can to serve them as best you can at the time in life with the financial situation and the husband that you have right now. And you're doing a great job. So don't let that's in just, anything else that's going to take that away. What yeah. Can I, like I say, the big smile. It costs you not smile. smile with people. When right. you see your neighbors say, hi, how are you? Oh, you look wonderful today. Isn't it nice that we're outside on a sunny day? They've actually found people who do that live longer. Did you know that? Yeah. Well, I think it's this, with your neighbors. You live longer. It's, it's, it is self-care to just smile. I think it makes you happier. I, yeah. I'm a big believer in even if you don't feel like it, slap a smile on your face and eventually your mood will catch up with your smile yeah. with your facial exp- expression. Um, I, I have a good friend who actually for Lent, one of her Lenten um, observances, I guess it was, for for one Lent, this was years ago, was to smile at her children when they came into a room. Like just, just make sure that she was always smiling at her children. And so I thought, well, that is really kind of nice. And I have to say this friend of mine is just a much more pleasant person than I am. I, I tend toward the cranky and she doesn't. So I, one Lent, I started doing that. They'd come in and I'd smile and they'd be like, what? What? <laughs> what I do? Wow. Wow. I must be really awful because I'm smiling at them and they're terrified. <laughs> so... But I, I found that when I smile more, I'm happier and yeah. I feel better. So that is kind of a self-care thing. Like to you just smile, people smile back at you. And that's right. And it just it just lifts your spirits. And it's simple. Like you said, it's just simple. It doesn't cost anything. It doesn't do it, it doesn't, I mean, it's just easy. It's effortless. Smile. Just so, smile. And don't let anybody else take that from you. Just, right. to, you know, don't don't invite anything into your home, into your ears, into your eyes that's going to take that from you and, and tear that away from you. OK, so, what's yeah, next? Also, well, you're talking about we should, uh, you know, keep in touch with the friends and relatives. Right. I have one daughter who has a very busy life. She has two kids, but she has a full time job. And when she's driving her kids here and there, she's always on the phone with relatives. 
That's I, I know when she's in the. It's a good use of the. Car. It's a good use of the time in the car. Yeah. So she she calls people, and instead of listening to like bad news on the radio or something, <laughs> or some junky or, music, some junky music, <laughs> correct. Instead, she, she calls people and she talks to them. And um, I used to years ago. It was really common. You'd have like this is when people still had wall phones, and you'd have a wall phone in the kitchen with a big wire, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I have the phone like under your head, under your neck, and as you were doing your dishes or loading your dishwasher or something like that. There's a lot to be said for speaking to somebody while you match socks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And keeping in touch with people, keeping in touch with your aunts and your uncles and your mom and dad and cousins and whatnot. Um, Families get so disconnected nowadays, but it can be a real um, way to take care of yourself and to take care of your people is to keep in touch with them. And and we can let that go. And a text isn't the same. I mean, a text is a good way to quickly, oh, how are you doing? Do you need anything? I'm at the grocery store. You know, to me, that's a text. I don't like to converse with people over text. It's a quick, you know, quick way of keeping in touch, but you really should call your grandma. <laughs> you really should. There's something you said for hearing somebody's voice. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Especially for any older relatives yes. or, you know, somebody who just had a baby or something like that. Like call and just say, how are you feeling? How are you doing? And it, it's a boost to your mood too. It really is. So keep yeah. in touch with all your friends and your college roommate, all those people. Gabbing with somebody while you fold laundry, while you match your socks, while you stir in the spaghetti sauce. It lifts your mood. You know, do that. Um, and then final thing that I'd really like to talk about, um, we'll hear people, because Mary Ellen and I both kind of look at like the Facebook pages for homeschoolers and stuff. And, and people will uh, say, oh, it's so tough. I had to do this. I had to do that. And we all have days when it life is tough. Hmm. <laughs> Two years ago, I had a, I planted a garden. We have now have a house in the country. I planted this huge garden. And for the first time in my life, I planted corn. And I had five rows of the most beautiful. I was sinfully pr- proud of my corn. I remember you talking about this. <laughs> beautiful. It had big ears with the silk coming out. I was so proud of myself. I didn't get a single ear. The raccoons got every <laughs> And she I was, was so, so upset. upset. <laughs> After reading it and everything, I was so disappointed and upset. And then I thought to myself, but you know what, Jen, you have the money to go out and buy some corn. There's farmers around here. Go buy some corn. The fact is that a hundred years ago, people would have like done without eating over the winter, maybe, if they didn't have enough corn. Right. And they didn't have the money to buy anymore. Uh, I had cataract surgery several years ago and I can't drive at night anymore. I have trouble seeing things in the dark. You know, that they put phony lenses in your eyes, which don't work as well as the ones God gave you, I promise. But you know what? A hundred years ago, I would have gone blind. hundred years ago, those cataracts would have had me go blind. So if we, we have to remember when we're whining because we did the fifth load of blessed laundry today, and believe me, I whine too. I don't mean to sound better than you. The fact is that you're actually washing it in a machine where you push a button. <laughs> and then you're putting it into another machine where you're pushing a button. In your house. Yeah. In your house. Right. You're not outside, you know, with a wash, with a washboard and and then hanging it on a line after you try to wring it out. And then you had to iron every blessed thing that came into the house. Uh, Our lives aren't all that bad. And if you think of somebody like in the South Sudan or in the Ukraine right now. Right. Or even people in in, um, neighborhoods in our own cities and, and, states, you know, who are schlepping their laundry to a laundromat and having to come up with enough quarters to get it all done and and things like that. Like very often we forget that 
our homes and our our places where we live and our our situations are somebody else's dream. Like yeah. they would love to have what you have. Yeah. So I mean, gratitude is a great uplifter and is a great source of love, I think. When you when you're grateful for what you have. I think love just follows that. You're you're grateful to God for what you have. He's blessed us with all of it. You know, we have it because of him. Um, we have husbands and children and and things. We have food. We have clothing. We have, we have homes. flowers in our garden. We can right. look out see a tree that looks beautiful and thank God for it. Yeah. I mean, just everything we have. So so we do have these these awful days and and where nothing goes right and you know, the toilet's backed up and the everything's spilled and the baby's crying and the tires flat or whatever and you just want to chuck it all <laughs> and we all have those days but we try to remember that even on those days that we um we should be grateful for what we have because somebody else doesn't have any of that doesn't have a car that, with, the, with the tire that can go flat doesn't have a baby who right. can cry so it and it's difficult but your house your life your your home your children your husband your car your whatever your washing machine is somebody else's dream they don't have that. So try to remember that and be grateful for it. And I think um, this would be a good time to take a little break because we are grateful that we have some wonderful sponsors here for our podcast, and we would like you to hear more about them. So we will be right back. Choose the best answer. A, Seton testing provides tests and test preparation materials for homeschoolers. B, Seton Testing offers many different tests, including online tests, diagnostic tests in reading and math, and standardized testing for end-of-year proof of progress for homeschoolers. C, Seton Testing provides quick and accurate results, or D, all of the above. If you answer D, then perhaps you already know that Seton Testing has been providing testing services to homeschooling families at affordable prices for more than 40 years. To see how Seton Testing can serve your family, see our website at setontesting.com. Good news, if you are currently enrolled with Seton Home Study School, then you will receive a discount on standardized testing. See setontesting.com for details. Uh, welcome back. We were talking, uh, Mary Ellen Barrett and I, about being grateful for what you have uh, things that you can do to make your life go better and easier, how to care for yourself as a mom. So a couple of practical ideas that we'd like to give you. And you know, it's funny, I had 12 kids, for those of you that don't know, and I would say maybe I could count on my fingers and toes the number of times I took children shopping. I never went grocery shopping with my kids. For one thing, it was too much of a distraction. I had a lot of stuff to get to feed all those people. And the kids are asking me for stuff or even just talking about, did you see that pretty dog or something? And I, I couldn't keep my train of thought. Yeah. So yeah. I went grocery shopping on Saturday mornings for years and years and years all by myself. It's like a mini vacation when you get to do anything by yourself when the kids are little. It really is. You can clear your head a little bit. Yeah. Just think, right? So I think one of the things that, especially moms, those of us that have big families, Mary Ellen has a big family too, you need a little time, like you say, just to think, just to have a thought and remember that you're God's child. Anything, any yeah. thought that you didn't have interrupted by a kid 10 times is a good thought. So uh, another advantage I had is I lived in the city and I didn't have a car for 19 years. 
I used to took my husband's car grocery shopping on Saturdays, but I didn't have a car. So if I had to go to the post office, I walked. If I went to the library, I walked. There's a lot to be said for getting out in the fresh air and taking a walk. Yeah, it does clear your mind. It, just a little sunshine, a little fresh air. It does. It helps. It really does help. You can just, I don't know, it just does help. I mean, there are studies that show a little vitamin D, a little fresh air, a little exercise. It doesn't have to be strenuous. A good a good walk is just beneficial in a lot of ways. Right. And it, it it really does help you feel better. It just makes you feel, even if you're tired, you know, just just do it. Just around the block even will help. It really will help. Yeah. So take a walk. Uh, if you are able to get out and go to a gym and exercise, you know, the YMCA or something, that's a great thing to do. And even like I say, just running your errands, but getting away by yourself without a kid or just taking that kid that's tolerable, like the baby <laughs> stroller. And yeah. you're always pushing the stroller, baby's looking around, not a whiny kid. Uh, but getting away by yourself or mostly by yourself. Yeah. Dave used to, um, Dave and my my good friend, my best friend, Chris, her husband, Dan, Dave and Dan used to once a month um, give us a Saturday and we would go in the morning and there's, um, I guess it's like a strip mall kind of a thing near us where it has, um, we used to call it like the homeschool mom Mecca. There was a, a Staples, a Target, a Barnes and Noble and a Michaels. <laughs> so we would go, we'd have lunch and we'd just hit all the stores and we'd be gone a couple hours, but it was just so nice, you know, to get out. We'd have a little lunch. We'd do our, you know, a little bit of shopping. Half the time, we wouldn't even buy anything. We'd just wander around. And it was just, we'd connect. We'd have fun together. We would talk. And we'd come home totally refreshed because the guys would just, you know, take care of all. She had six kids. I had eight. And it was just nice to get out, yeah. you know, just for that couple of hours. They would arrange for us to do that once a month on the Saturday. And That's it wasn't the only time we got out, but it was just nice for us to be able to do that together. And to know you're going to do it. So it's something yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, you talk about Michael's a little bit. Um, when I was, oh man, I don't remember how many kids I have, but say six or seven or something. We had no money. We were so broke. And I learned how to sew. I learned how to sew. Now, in those days, I had the energy to actually stay up at night and do things after my kids went to bed, which <laughs> those days are over now, but I was younger then. Uh, and I loved to sew. And I became really good. It was just something that I enjoyed doing. Uh, some people enjoy knitting or right. crocheting or painting or gardening. Oh, yeah. The creativity. It does help. It doesn't matter. You know. Yeah. Anything you like to do. I, for me, it was always writing. And I like my embroidery. And I did some knitting. Like just anything. It doesn't matter. You don't even have to be good at it. But if it makes you happy to sit there and do something with your hands or, or you know, something getting outside to do something, just do it. It just, it fosters your creativity. It makes you happy. It relaxes you. It's good for you. It's good yeah. for you. Every time yeah. I love to garden and every time I walk past my, my, just the front of my house in the summer when I, all the plants I put in are so beautiful and I enjoy watching them grow and it just gives you happiness. Yeah. It makes you joyful. And that's a good thing. It really is a good thing. And God gave you creativity. Use it. Just use yeah. it. He wants you to use it. Keeping in touch with your husband is another way of self-care. And I have to say, and I think we're probably going to at some point do an episode on this. Your marriage is so important. It's important to your homeschool. It's important for your children. It's the most important relationship you have other than your one with God. So dates. You should go on a date if you can, in the house or out of the house. Keep in touch during the day. Just, you know, really pursue that relationship. We used to, when when the children were young, we we had no money. 
on Saturday afternoons, late afternoons, when all the driving around was done, somewhere around four o'clock, if it was nice out, we would send them out into the yard, lock the screen door <laughs> so <laughs> we could see them, but they couldn't get back in. And I would make, we would make a cocktail, like some special cocktail. We'd pick a different one every week. And then I would have like some little appetizer kind of food that I would hide from the children. Cause around here you had to hide food if you wanted to save it for something. So I'd make something and we would just have a cocktail and our little special food, our little special appetizer thing. And we would just connect. We would sit and talk for an hour while the kids were outside. If it wasn't nice out, we'd put them in the basement in front of a video or something. And we would just talk for that hour. And that was our date. You know, and, and then I used to say, we have to remember why we married each other. Right. Yes. You just need that time, that special we time. We really to... wanted to get married. We really were in <laughs> right. love at some point. <laughs> right. we, and... we still like each other very much. It would be nice to talk. <laughs> I always remembered if I did nothing else right in my marriage, the first thing I did right in my marriage is I married Ed Sufert. So he made it. <laughs> but the other thing was that I always remembered, no matter how many kids you had, and I had more than most, mm-hmm. day is going to come when the last one says, bye, mom. See you Sunday. Yeah. And then you're going to be stuck together. So you better have something else going for you. And I always remembered that. True. It's true. It's absolutely true. We're not there yet, but we're getting closer. I mean, the light is there at that end of that tunnel of kids being, you know, wanting to leave. And I I still really enjoy being with my husband. And that's because we have cultivated this relationship the whole time. And that's so important. Um, We enjoy our time together. So you have to find the time. And it's it's work sometimes to find the time because you're oh, yeah. tired and 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 yet there's so many kids and you're being pulled in a million different directions and and you've had a baby hanging on you all day and all that kind of stuff. Make the effort to find the time to connect with your husband. You do a lot of things when you're tired. You mop the floor when you're tired. So you can certainly sit down on the couch and talk to your husband while you're tired. Right. right? It's going to be more pleasant. So just do that. I mean, even if it's just texting him during the day, hi, I'm thinking of you, love you, hope you're having a good day. Anything. Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, the man appreciates it. It's it's lovely. You know, it's a My nice thing to do. Jobs once and uh, it, he liked the job, but it was very stressful at first. It was something really new and out of sight of what he had done for years. And when he came home from work, he, we had a desk in our bedroom in those days, and he would like to come up and sit at his desk. And I'd sit on the bed, usually with a baby nursing or something like that. And he would have a glass of wine. That's it. He would just have, it was no big deal. It was just, he'd have a glass of wine and he would tell me about his day and what disturbed him or what he was really happy about or what. So he needed to wind down and kind of unload the day on. After that, with that, like, it was almost like rejuvenation. Then we could go out and face the rest of the kids and get dinner on the table and he would do the million things that he did. But he needed, when he first came home from work, he needed half an hour just to have a glass of wine and talk to me and tell me about his day. Well, that's reasonable. You know, yeah. kind of offload the day before you take on the next stressful thing, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's so I, I do think, and I, looking back on it, I've got my one daughter, she, my 11th child, she was a sweetie. We dropped her off for college. I was crying like a baby. Oh my goodness, I was <laughs> devastated. And I remember her roommate saw us out in the hall and she said, oh, is this your first? I said, no, it's my 11th. <laughs> it was a little stupid. I realized that. But she said to me not that long ago, so this is, she's married with kids now. She said, you know, she said, you cried like a baby when you dropped your 11th kid off. But she said, then you and daddy did great on your own. We made a great transition. We did. We did. We're not in our kids' lives. And in fact, they would like us to be in their lives more than we are. We don't feel like we have to, we need them to be complete. 
That's great. Yeah. And that's the goal, I think. I really do think that's the goal. They have to live their lives now. Right. So what you will find is you will go through life much more peacefully if you if you remember why you married that man. Yeah. Something about him that made you say, I do. Try to keep that alive in your marriage. Right. Right. And that's that's kind of an eternal thing because um you're married for life and beyond. It's it's a sacrament. Remember that. And the grace of the sacrament will help you with that. And it is self-care for both of you to just pay attention to that all day, every day, as best you can in these difficult seasons. Next one is, now that we're talking about them, don't be afraid to ask them for help when you need it. <laughs> and the kids <laughs> with chores. And you don't have to do everything. I mean, you have this little army about you. And that, that's one of the upsides of having a large family is that as soon as they're able to help, ask them to help. You know, they can they can mop, they can they can put their things away, they can and yeah, I mean don't 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 be a martyr to your house. Like ask the children for help, demand that they help, insist that Actually, they help. I, I was a big believer in you have regular chores. Yeah. You have regular yeah. chores. Like my one daughter, she did the upstairs bathroom, she did it every week. Um other kids did the front hall, other kids did the living room. My one son, he had a girlfriend, he liked to talk to her on the telephone, so he did the dishes. That's okay with me. You can talk all your mind. Right. Yeah, oh yeah. Stop. Yeah, you have to and and also ask your husband's perspective on things. I found that sometimes when I would get myself in knots over a scheduling problem or a homeschooling problem or something like that, I would I would just say to him, I don't I don't know what to do here. And he and this is where the whole male female thing comes into it and uh, speaking a little bit in generalizations, but men are good problem solvers. And sometimes they they yeah, they yeah. do. And they could see sometimes what we can't because we get so tied up in emotions about the problem or the child or the thing or the curriculum or the, you know, whatever. And and we spent a lot of time on this. And the man will look at it and say, what? Well, it's this. This is the thing. You know, do it this way. And oh, OK. <laughs> OK. And I, I can't tell you how many times that's happened to me with my husband where he he will just say, what? What? Why are you tied up in knots about this? Just do it this way. And it's, that's the problem. It's solved, you know? So keep in mind that his perspective is unique about you, about the children, about the house, about this. And that's why you work together well. So you need that perspective. So, so don't be afraid to come to him with a problem and let him help you solve it. And, and don't come to him and say, I need this help and then ignore his advice. (laughs) Like do, do what he says. And I, I bet you it works out pretty well for you. Yeah, that's been my experience too. Sometimes, well, that's with everybody's life. Sometimes we have trouble seeing the forest for the trees because right. we're in the middle of all those trees. So it's right. And we get so emotional about things, I think, especially when it comes to the homeschooling or the children. Like we get so invested in it. It's so tied up into our self-worth. You know, yeah. if something's going wrong, then it's all about us. Obviously, then, I'm a failure. Right. Yeah. Failure here. No, I agree with that. The other thing that we have to be careful with when we're talking about failures, there are people in our lives and it's tougher if they're relatives. If they're just acquaintances who are constantly saying, another baby? Oh, gosh. Oh, my goodness. I don't know how you do it. I could never do that. And, you know, I had some snappy answers that I gave to people and stuff, but that does wear you down after a while. Oh, sure it does. Because you want to be able to say to your friend, oh, the house was a wreck today. Well, when you have all those kids, I don't know what you're going to expect. So kind of now it's harder if it's family, and I'll talk about that in a minute. Not avoid those people necessarily, but I certainly wouldn't cultivate them. Right. Yeah. You don't have to invite them to every party or anything. Right. I would be kind to them when I see them and hi, so nice to see you again. Oh, the kids are getting big. Yeah, they are. 
Um, now it's tougher when you have relatives and I see on uh, social media, a lot of people will say, you know, my sister is constantly telling me, why did I have all these children? She doesn't go to, you can't get rid of your relatives. No. You can't avoid them. But what I believe in is sort of, I don't even know, I'd call it passive aggressive. I think it's just passive. So if you have a sister that every time, or a sister-in-law or a mother-in-law, every time she calls you up, has something to say about, I don't know if those kids are learning. I talked to little Billy last week and he didn't know who wrote the Declaration of Independence. Have something on your fridge that reminds you that every time somebody brings something up that's a big downer on the phone, just, oh, I'm so sorry. I have to go now. I think I hear somebody at the door. That's it. <laughs> don't be nasty. Don't think, why are you saying that? And then you get into these big arguments. We, I, for a while there, I had one sister-in-law who was just the most vile human being, I'm sorry to say. And she didn't pick on me, but she picked on another very nice sister-in-law. And I just, you know what? Just every time she says something, you have to have something written on the fridge. This is what I'm going to say. Oh, I have to run. I hear, you know, I hear the baby crying. That's it. Yeah. It's almost like a script you need to refer to. So you don't, yeah, you don't make a mistake. Don't argue. Don't drive yourself nuts. You're not going to change people's minds. Although interestingly, I think my father was not sold on homeschooling. Don't forget, I started in the 80s. And then years later, he said to me, you know, he said, your kids have done so well. So that's how we prove ourselves to people. Right. When people see my family now, they say, wow, you have the great, I mean, now my kids are all adults. You have the best family. You have the closest family. Everybody loves my kid. Well, so that's how you prove that maybe the big family is not the worst thing. I did write an article. I'm going to look it up. I'm going to leave it in our show notes. I wrote an article for Seton Magazine couple of years ago for um, answers to the quiz master in your life. You know, the person who <laughs> says, oh, you know, your cousins are learning this in school and you have yeah, it. Right. So it was like, I don't know, 10 answers to stuff like that. And it actually answers. got a pretty good response to it. So I'm going to leave it linked in there. So if you read it, it was kind of a fun, if I do say so myself, it was kind of funny, like kind of silly ways to approach these kind of rude questions that people <laughs> ask you. So yeah, but yeah, I agree with Ginny. You just kind of have to minimize your contact with people like that as best you can and protect yourself, you know, and your children from that kind of, yeah. Just don't argue with them. You're never going to yeah. win. Don't yeah. argue. It's not worth it. On the other hand though, minimizing that, what we really want to do is look for buddies mm -hmm. and relatives and cousins, third cousins, twice removed, whatever, who are supportive of what we do. Right. You and they don't even have to be homeschooling that. people. They're just people who aren't going to take away from what you're doing. Or, or try to talk you into birth control. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Who are going to just welcome new babies and say, oh, isn't that wonderful? Can I bring you a meal? Like, those are the people you want around you. So, you know, try to find a group. And sometimes that's in homeschooling support groups. Uh, sometimes it's just people, you know, at church. Yeah. We, for a long time there, we all went to the 830 mass at this one church. And we used to have, we'd, we'd swap off families or houses, I should say. And we would have, I guess you'd call it brunch after church. And first of all, you only had to clean your house like every four weeks because it was only <laughs> every four weeks. <laughs> Uh, but mostly, most people clean on Saturday. So Sunday's your best shot at having a clean house. The kids haven't messed it up yet. And Sunday morning brunch, you buy bagels or donuts mm -hmm. and serve coffee. Like it's not a huge thing. Right. That's so easy. You need butter and bagels and donuts and coffee and that's it, right? Four things. Easy. So easy, easy schmeasy. And we, and we all looked forward to it. Yeah. We all looked forward to it. The kids would play and it was great for the kids because they're playing with kids from like-minded families. And we're getting all this sort of support. 
Mm-hmm. So it was just, it was a fabulous thing. We had another, um, for years I did this, and this was also great. So there's a, a, a park about an hour west of Chicago, a little bit of a hike for me. I wasn't in Chicago, but it was like a 40 minute ride, but it was five bucks to get in. And it wasn't, it was not a public park. It was a private park, but it had beautiful botanical gardens. And on weekends, it would have a band playing and everything. $5 a uh, car full. So dirt cheap to get into. And what we would do is, the fr- I think it was the first Sunday of the month, we would all meet there in the afternoons. Just a bunch of Catholic families. Some of them were homeschoolers. Some of them were not homeschoolers, but they were just Catholic families with lots of kids, most of them, a lot of kids. We were all sort of like-minded. You brought food for your own family and shared it with other people too. So there was no pressure. <laughs> if nobody else showed up, who cared? Your kids went to the park and they played. But I don't remember that ever happening. I believe somebody always showed up. Right. Gives you something to look forward to. Yeah. We have, um, my, my similar story is, um, when I first moved out to this town, there was a, already in existence, a Friday night rosary prayer group for the children mostly, but it's, it's, and I soon joined in. So I've been going, let's see, Aaron, I guess it's like 23 years, Wow, 23 years. Um, every Friday night we order pizzas, everybody kicks in, depending on how many kids you brought that you know, at that time, um, we order a bunch of pizzas. People bring desserts unless it's Lent. We eat pizza. We pray the rosary together. Um, one of the dads who plays the guitar would play a song in between each decades appropriate for the decade. The kids would sing. I mean, we had babies and toddlers and stuff like that. Um, the kids would learn all the prayers of the rosary. Usually by the time our kids were three or four years old, they could pray a whole rosary by themselves. They would pray for their friends. We would say intentions. They'd pray for their friends and their teachers and whatnot. Not everybody homeschooled. You know, it's just neighbor. It's for our little town. Five families. We'd switch houses. So you'd only get every five weeks. You'd have all these people come over. Kids would play together. And then after we'd have dessert, glass wine, a beer. Kids would have their drinks. And then everybody goes home. Right. It's been going off every week for 23 years. Now we've had... Um, a lot of these kids grew up, they have their own families, they have their own rosary group growing on. So, nice. so it's, we call it rosary 2.0. <laughs> so um, the fruits of this have been extraordinary. And these are the people, like, I don't have a lot of family around here. One of the other, my best friend, Chris, her family lives, you know, all over. So they've grown up like cousins. They've grown up like family. This is, this is our extended family. So you have to find your tribe. You have to surround yourself with these people. And if you don't feel like you have that, ask God to send these people to you he will. And, and go to church and say, hey, would you like to come over on Friday night and we'll order a pizza? Maybe we'll teach the kids to pray the rosary. Yeah. You know, and, and that's exactly how that started at a mom and mom and tots group at church. These two women, Mary and Chris, found each other and said, hey, you know, we'll have a Friday night pizza and we'll teach the kids to pray the rosary. And that's how that started. And my 30 years later, we're still doing it, you know. My kids were in school in New York before I started homeschooling. I just had little kids and they had a mass, a Friday school mass every week. And a bunch of us would go to the mass and then afterwards go back to somebody's house with our toddlers and let the toddlers play. That kind of thing. You look forward to it all week. Yeah. The social aspect. I mean, teaching them to pray is a benefit. Of course, the Blessed Mother is thrilled, but we're relaxing with our friends on a Friday night and just, 
look forward to that all week. Like-minded friends who aren't going to say, oh, another baby, you're kidding. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just, you have to find your tribe. You really, it, it, that is, that is the self-care you need is to know that you have friends who love you and who are going to be there. They're going to be the first ones going, yay. When I announced that I was having twins, I came home for the doctor. Chris had my kids, the older ones. I was 39 years old and I was having my sixth and seventh baby. And I said, it's twins. And she laughed and she clapped and she said, this is going to be great. <laughs> I mean, that's, those are the friends you need. Those are the friends. Well, I remember I had a friend years ago, I was having a miscarriage. I was bleeding at home. It was horrible. And I remember I was up in bed and I had little toddlers because my kids were in school in those days. And my next door neighbor came over, Ginny, I've got the kids. And that's it. She just took the kids to her house. Yeah. Just, that was it. Yeah. So you got, you have to find moms, you have to find those people and, and they're there, they're out there. They're waiting for you (laughs) out there. So maybe we should wrap this up by uh, telling people, first of all, moms, take care of yourselves because the stronger you are, the stronger you can be for your family. Yeah. And, and God wants that for you. So, you know, don't feel selfish when you're taking care of yourself, when you're eating well, when you're exercising, when you're going for your walk, when you're making your dental appointments and your doctor's appointments and all that stuff, you need to do that. Okay. And we encourage you all to do that. And we want to thank uh, the sponsor of this podcast, which Seton Home Study School is our primary sponsor. And of course, you, we have our little sponsor break every time. So we have other sponsors as well. We're very grateful for that. Uh, we would appreciate it if uh, you subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to give a great rating, give a please give a rating. If you don't want to give a great rating, then refrain. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the other thing is find us on Facebook uh, or other social media. And by all means, if you have any ideas that you'd like us to address, could we talk about, I don't know, teaching English or teaching literature or teaching math, whatever, just leave your ideas for us and we'll be happy to try to work them in in the future. Yes. Thanks very much for listening. Have a great week. We'll catch you next week. God bless. God bless. And now we'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Seton Home Study School. Seton Home Study School is a nationally accredited, faithfully Catholic, private distant learning school that serves students from pre-K through 12th grade. There are currently 17,000 homeschool students enrolled in Seton Home Study School and many, many more who use their books and materials, including several small Catholic schools. Since 1983, Seton Home Study School has faithfully served the homeschool community in the United States and all over the world. Please check out their website, setonhome.com. for more information. And thank you, Seton Home Study School, for sponsoring the podcast, The Stay-at-Home Schooling Moms.